This is WMPG. My name is Dr. Anne, and this is Safe Space Radio, a show about courage, the courage to talk about the things that are hardest to bring up, but that we often think about the most. Today's show is part of our ongoing series on the untold stories of dementia, and I'm going to be speaking with Bill Verrill about what it's like for him to live with the early stages of dementia himself. Bill Verrill is a husband, a father, a grandfather, and a great-grandfather. He worked as a banker here for 39 years and is now 75 years old, living in Portland, Maine. Welcome to Safe Space, Bill. Hello. So I'd like to start at the beginning and, and have you kind of lead us through this process. What was it that first made you begin to notice that something was different? Well... I first noticed that I was beginning to not remember certain things. I've used PCs for years, and uh, I just couldn't seem to get hold of things that I was doing every day. I forget how to do something. So you use personal computers on a regular basis, but presumably only later in your life. That's correct. Yeah, so this kind of recently learned things, you found that you were forgetting them. Right. Was that frightening? Uh, Well, not at first. Uh, I just, I didn't, I didn't put it together really. But uh, as as time went on, uh, and I, other things that I couldn't remember uh, organization, I had always been a very organized person, and that was kind of going by the board. And uh, my wife, Shirley, she noticed it early on, very early on, even before I thought about it. And she forced me into... Uh, Checking in with a doctor. Uh-huh. Uh, it didn't do much good because it's like taking your car into the mechanic, you know? Uh, it was all right when you got there, and it didn't show. Oh, I see. And uh, it, it was uh, frustrating for about a year because it was getting worse. Uh, I was getting lost. And Shirley finally uh, insisted with a doctor that I see a neurologist, which I did. And he basically told me within just a few minutes that he thought it probably was dementia. And then said, well, I'm going to be honest about this. You've got Alzheimer's. And we talked about it, and he was very frank, very open, which I appreciated. And uh, I was really rather surprised, but relieved at the same time that finally I knew that, that there truly was something, you know, 
going on, uh, a cause of what was happening. And Shirley's mother, and my mother as well, had both had Alzheimer's. And Shirley seemed to know what it was right off. And uh, we came home, we talked about it, and decided that it was definitely the time to kind of prepare for what could happen. I had, I had had some unsuccessful eye surgery, and that was making it difficult to see and to get around and made it difficult for driving, along with the confusion of what the Alzheimer's does to you. I was forced uh, just about a year ago uh, to give up driving. Tell me more about that. Well, uh, I thought it was against my better judgment because I've seen a lot of people in worse condition than I am driving. So you would have kept driving if you could have? Uh, yes. Uh, but Shirley was frightened. She did not enjoy getting in the car. She would not let me go by myself. She was afraid I wouldn't find my way back. So I, we just decided that we had to uh, consider that and make a decision. I see. So it wasn't your doctor who recommended no, it. No, You wasn't. voluntarily gave up your license. I did. I, I would rather give it up myself than to have somebody tell me that I could not drive. And I knew that it was the best thing. But there was a lot to go with that because... How are we going to get around? I know that losing your license can often feel like a real loss of freedom. It is a loss of freedom. There's a big change, big difference. You're dependent upon somebody else. You've always been independent. And now it's around others' schedules. Uh, our family takes us grocery shopping. We try to do it once a month, but they're available at other times. But they're working. They're bringing up our great-grandson, and uh, he's a handful. He has autism, so it takes up a great deal of time. And they take such good care of him. So you don't want to burden them? No, they have enough to do. So I want to come back. When you said, you know, when you were first diagnosed, and you said you felt partly relief, I'm imagining that having seen your mother and your mother-in-law have dementia, you also really knew some of what might lie ahead. And I'm curious to ask you, were there things that you were especially kind of dreading or the fear that might be true for you in having dementia? My my biggest concern about that was, and still is, 
how Shelly was going to be able to handle this. It's just so difficult to think what could happen down the road. I'm not, I'm really not afraid of it because I think I know what to expect. Uh, but sometimes these things go a long time before they really settle in. Uh, we're kind of trying to make the best of it now while we can both enjoy doing it. Yes. And uh, we have spent so much time running back and forth to various doctors. Uh, it, it just seems unreasonable. Uh, my neurologist was getting to a point where he really didn't know how to treat it because, uh, you know, he sees you 15 minutes. Uh, and it's not like being around me where he could see what goes on. What would be the, the real-life problems that you get into that, that he would see if he was around you? Well, I'd see that I... Uh, didn't sleep much at all at night. Uh, if I sit down in the chair uh, with a book, uh, I may get it open or not before I nap. There are times that I forget whether I've eaten or not. Uh, forget about which day it is, even what time. Uh, I think Shirley gets a little bit tired of, of uh, being asked, has the mail come yet? <laughs> but she's very patient. She's wonderful. Do you find that now that you know that you have dementia, are you kind of watching inside all the time to see how you're doing? Like, are you watching to see if you can still do things or not? Uh, I think that's probably true, but I'm not really thinking about it. I, I think it's so obvious I get extremely frustrated. For instance, uh, go to, to get into the PC, uh, then I can't remember how to open it. How, to, how do I get, get into this thing? And uh, spreadsheets, I love doing spreadsheets. And uh, it's gotten to the point now where uh, I may be able to start it, but getting to the end of it, uh, sometimes it, it just, I am just so confused, it disorganized. Uh, so there you are, you're doing a spreadsheet on the computer, something that you really enjoy doing. Can you take me inside what that's like? What happens when you start to lose the thread of it? Well, uh, a good example would be, if I can explain it, uh, last evening, for instance, uh, I've been trying to keep track of my, my medical appointments. And... Uh, not only the dates, but what bar. And I 
try to keep a sheet on those. I can do the sheet itself, uh, but I'm finding it difficult to take, say, a doctor's statement and the uh, explanation of benefits that I get from Medicare and my secondary to coordinate those two or three pieces of paper and transfer that information where I want it on my spreadsheet is becoming almost impossible. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, I spent almost all day, I think, on the computer. And finally, I think it must have been around 9 o'clock, I decided and said to Shirley, this must be for tomorrow. I just can't stand it anymore. So how do you cope with that frustration? Because I hear it must be so frustrating. Uh, It's very frustrating. I consider myself to be an easygoing guy, and I don't want to lose that. I really want to maintain my cool, um, my good humor, if you want to say that, and my patience. Those are important to me because I find it difficult sometimes thinking and getting it out. I'm afraid and embarrassed that I will uh, hurt someone's feelings, that I don't say what I mean to say. Has that happened? Uh, For the most part, people are very kind. And although I don't announce it, I have not hidden the fact that I have the problem. And that helps. One of the biggest things that was a disappointment to me was that uh, we were involved in our church, but I had to give that up. And that was a disappointment to both of us. We enjoyed doing it. We loved, we loved helping. Uh, and it's been important to us. Do you have ways that you help or make a contribution now? Uh, mostly by staying out of the way. I guess I perhaps am at a point where if I were to have a suggestion, uh, I prefer to keep it to myself because it takes me so long to get through it discussing it. Uh, to make the suggestion. That uh, I'm sure that those around me are just as confused as I am by the time I get done. So, so let me make sure I'm understanding, because to me you sound very clear. Are, do you feel inside yourself that it's hard to express yourself? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Does it feel like it takes longer time to get it out? Well, I better think before I speak, for sure. Uh-huh. Do you sometimes say things that don't seem to make sense? To me, they don't make sense. And they, and, and at times, they don't even correspond with, with the thinking. Uh, am I getting, a, a, am I getting a, a wonderful sort of snippet of you? Because you're making complete sense now. Is this... Well, fortunately, most people do not see a problem. Uh, that's very good. 
but at the same time, it really does not help that they don't. Right. Because uh, I don't have what I feel is the type of moral support that I think I could use. There's no, uh, there does not seem to be a source for those setting out at the beginning with dementia. So let's talk about this, because when we talked on the phone ahead of time, you said something that really got my attention. You know, you said there's a lot of support groups out there now for caregivers, but really not almost nothing for people in the early stages themselves. And if there was that kind of support for you, what would you want to use it for? Like, what would you hope for from that? Well, uh, Shirley attended several classes uh, that were uh, mostly given by the Southern Maine Agency on Aging. Yes. And uh, she got a lot out of that. Uh, but I wasn't allowed in them because uh, it was about how to care for people such as myself later on. I didn't seem to have anywhere to go where I could find out what others like me uh, were doing to take up the time, how they were doing it, uh, how they got around, uh, how were they coping with, uh, well, sort of being kicked out of the kitchen. Don't get near the stove. What are you doing for pastime? Uh, you're not getting out anymore by yourself. There's no space. Um, nobody to talk to that was where you were in your situation. And I wasn't looking for daycare as they do have available for those that are further along, if you will. Right. It sounds like you'd love to share ideas, partly. Like, what do you do during the day? Do you, do you get bored? Uh, yes, but I still have a lot to do. I read a lot. Uh, I don't necessarily remember what I read, but I read it anyway. I don't want to give anything up that I can possibly do because I know things will freeze right there. It's, you don't get it back once you lose it. Uh, even though uh, when I get done with the book, I really don't know, you know, what the beginning was. Uh, and I might read the same page over and over and over. But I realize that I'm doing it. So it's it's frustrating but not disturbing. I want to come back to something you said before about um, your concern about your wife, about Shirley. I know that um, you know a lot about what might may be in store for you, and I know that your wife knows too. Are there things that, um, it, in any way, does it is it an advantage to you to know what you can expect? I mean, are you two making plans together? You know, if you if you become you know, unable to be left alone, say, are you, 
Are you making plans to try to address what each step may involve together? Uh, yes. We think about that on our daily basis, especially as we see changes. Uh, my neurologist basically indicated that he'll be with us every step of the way as we go along. I know that one of the fears that a lot of people have is of being put in a nursing home. Is that something that you fear? Well, I don't fear it because I hope I've made it known that I'm not going to a nursing home. Aha! <laughs> what are your plans, Bill? Well, uh, that's in home care. Yeah. If that need be. And uh, financially, uh, not set to drive over and start looking at expensive nursing homes. And, you know, this, this, as far as I'm concerned, having been through it and having people in a nursing home, there's not much they really can do uh, for you. Medications, I can take those at home. Uh, and... There's no, there's no real fix for it, and I can linger here as well as I can linger there, and it will be a lot cheaper, and it would be less convenient being away from home. For Shirley? For everybody. For everybody. But yes, for Shirley. have to remember that Shirley doesn't drive. Right. And I know she, she, she is a worrier. And I know that if she wasn't there, she's wondering what's going on. And I don't think that would ever change. You know her well. I know. I've known her for a good many years. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm thinking about your thoughts about a, a group for people in the early stages and the things that you'd like to talk about. Does it feel lonely sometimes? Well, I suppose it does. But my real concern is, is really not for myself. But Shirley does not get out to socialize. Right now she belongs to a, a ladies' knitting group. And one of their people come after her each week, but I tag along, not by choice, but it gives Shirley time out. And have you, does it feel uncomfortable for you to be alone? Like, does it feel not a good idea to be alone? The few times that I have been, uh, it seems like an awfully long time before she returns. <laughs> Uh, and it's not, but it seems like forever. And uh, she just does not want me to get myself into trouble. Oh, and what kind of trouble might you get yourself into? Well, I I have an idea she probably would uninstall the stove, <laughs> for instance. You mentioned being kicked out of the kitchen. Are you? Are, have you left a burner on? Is it, have you had something a mishap from that? Uh. No, but I forget what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. 
we can make a joke out of almost anything that happens rather than taking it too seriously. I'm so struck at, at how uh, what, a, what a central role Shirley has played in helping you get diagnosed and, you know, helping the doctor take it to the next step and find out more. And um, it's very apparent to me how grateful you are to her. Uh, she's everything I have. And I think sometimes, and she does too, that the medical profession wishes that she had something to do at home when I have my appointments. <laughs> because she's, she's been really forcing the issues. She's no longer accepting just having another test, going to another doctor. She's telling them there's got to be a purpose to it, uh, that it wasn't solving anything. She wants something done. It sounds to me like Shirley's a, a wonderful advocate, and I'm struck that you have someone who will be with you that you trust so deeply. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if that helps with that fear, knowing that Shirley is such a, an extraordinary teammate for you, if, if it makes you feel... If it somehow lifts the burden knowing that um, the person who's going to be most with you has been such a, a powerful, I don't know, protective advocate all this time. I'm very comfortable with it. Shirley and I can sit here and just look at each other and we know what the other's thinking. Hmm. So uh, I know I'm going to be well taken care of. And I know that she wants me to be well taken care of. So I truly, uh, I don't worry. I'm not afraid. And I don't worry about it myself. But I do worry about what it's going to do to others. What is your biggest worry for how it would affect Shirley? Well, it, it's going to take a toll on her. If it's prolonged, uh, she's going to be just completely worn out. And I know she's not going to want somebody else to, to do what she can do, even though she needs help. And that's a lot to ask of anybody. That, of course, is where nursing home comes in handy, but uh, I seen it, that you don't get home care in a nursing home. Right. Uh, and at, at some stage, I'm not going to know the difference. But she will. And I, I think she'll feel probably that it'd be easier if I were home. And I just wouldn't be home, like everybody else. Right. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you want me or someone listening to really understand about what this is like? Well, I just uh, really wish that there were a place that was easy to get to where they had coordinators, I guess, uh, that could put things programs on for 
those that are trying to struggle with it themselves, uh, similar to what the caregivers are learning. Because there's probably, uh, well, I know there's a way that uh, I should be able to uh, learn from others how they're doing it. Maybe we can use this conversation to help make that happen. I would hope that that would be true. Bill Verrill, thank you so much for being my guest on Safe Space Radio. If you got to hear part of the show and you'd like to listen to the rest of it or you'd like to email it to a friend or you know someone who could get started a support group for people with the early stages of dementia, please email me at dranne at safespaceradio.com and I can see if we can make that happen. You can also go to our website at safespaceradio.com and you can subscribe there to get a weekly link to every week's show. You can subscribe to us through iTunes. You can download us from Facebook. I want to thank Gabe Graben for producing today's show, Maurice Lennon for the music, and Jim Russell for being our consultant. Coming up next is Speak Freely. This is Dr. Ann with an addendum to the show, which is that since I interviewed Bill Verrill, I went and did a lot of research on support groups for people with dementia themselves. And I did come up with one in southern Maine. It's called the Memory Works Cafe, and actually they're throughout Maine. Um, but the one in Portland is the second Tuesday of every month at 1.30 p.m., and it's at the Woods at Kenco. And if you'd like to find out how to connect with it, basically go onto the computer and just um, search Memory Cafe or Memory Works and you'll find the Memory Works Cafes. I also want to give you the numbers for the Alzheimer's Association and the Southern Maine Agency on Aging because if you would like them to offer a support group for people with the early stages of dementia themselves, I bet they would be responsive. So let me give you their numbers. The Alzheimer's Association in Maine can be reached at 772-0115. That's 772-0115. And the Southern Maine Agency on Aging is at 396 6500. That's 396 6500.